You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Another world. Another time. In the age of wonder. There was once a dream. You could only whisper it. Anything more than a whisper, and it would vanish. A battle between good and evil. You don't know the power of the dark side. Where shall I find a new adversary so close to my own level? Try the local sewer. You know of the rebellion against the Empire? The Avengers, Earth's mightiest heroes. Peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy. One of these days, I'm going to have a stick of my own. I'm Groot. Welcome to the Neverland Podcast. The podcast for lovers of Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. Please welcome your host, Jeremy. I thought he'd be taller. Yeah, I can fly. All it takes is faith and trust. Well, if it isn't the Star Spangled Man with a plan, what is your plan today? Up to Neverland! <laughs> Take your pixies out of your pockets, Neverlander. Sprinkle some pixie dust around, grab your happiest thought, and fly away with me, your Spider-Pan Jeremy, to Neverland once again this week, where we have some sad things to talk about and some fun things to talk about, and birthday cake all around, because Donald Duck had his 83rd birthday. He's getting kind of up there, isn't he? Yeah, and that was pretty much kind of my plan for the week, but then uh, Adam West sadly passed away. So we're going to talk about that actually later with Lost Boy Philip. But with me right now, the voice you're hearing is Wendy Nerd. Wendy Nerd. Yep, Pixie <laughs> yeah. Heather. Me. New wife. It's is, me. It's me. <laughs> it's come along the way. So this is great because now that you're not out of thesis land, you're coming along with this uh, again. Uh, for those of you who are missing Eric, well, I miss having Eric on here too. But yeah. he hasn't. He's been moving and he's out of town this weekend. But he should be back next weekend. That's important stuff. So we can record together. So you know, it's fun having Eric on. But it's nice having you know getting to have Philip on here and talk and having you on. And I like to mix it up. But you know, it's fun having Eric with me all the time. You know. I just wish we lived closer. When he came into town from Arizona, we had a good old time. It was fun. You know, he's almost like family. We're, we're so similar, actually, I think, a lot. I just met him so, in passing. Yeah, you <laughs> so didn't get to sit so with him. But, uh, I haven't got to meet the rest of his family. One of these days, I hope to do that. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. Uh, we actually have a lot of news that we need to get into, and some of it is uh, rather bizarre. Disney and Geek Universe to bring you the best in comics, toys, movies, and entertainment. This is news from around Neverland. Okay, now this, some people have been calling this some good news, other people have been calling it sad news. Heather is shrugging her shoulders because it's indifferent news. Neither one of us have ever actually been to Disneyland. She's never been to a Disney park at all. Period. Yep. At all. Well, I'm going to fix that one of these days. But, tomorrow... Well, it's tomorrow from where I'm at. You're listening to this actually on June 12th or later. The Indie Outpost and the South Street South Seas Trader Stores is going to close in Disneyland. But there will be an enhancement to the Bengal Barbecue. On June 30th, Bengal Barbecue is going to reopen with some indoor seating 
in a space that was previously occupied by the India Outpost and the Southeast Traders. So basically, you're losing two shops, which I know shocking Disney closing some retail stores, including one that's Indiana Jones themed, to move a dining experience into its position. Uh, there's also going to be a stroller parking is going to relocate into the former Tropical Imports location, which is going to have a new location next door to Bengal Barbecue, while the Adventureland Bazaar is going to have some select merchandise from the South Seas Traders and the Indy Outpost. So you're still going to get some of the merchandise, but it's going to be at a different uh, location. So the, why is it happening? This is happening because this is a very congested area. And they're trying to improve the crowd flow, especially considering Star Wars Land is coming in. I've heard people saying that, oh, well, this should really help when Star Wars Land is open because more people can get in and out of Star Wars Land. Frankly, come out of Star Wars Land? Nah, everybody's going in. I don't know if anybody's coming out unless they close the park and force them out and kick them out, right? <laughs> I mean, so, uh-huh. you know, Star Wars Land is coming. So they're trying to make things a little bit easier. And so that's definitely a good thing, although I'm sure plenty of people will be sad to see some of those stores go away. But the merchandise will still be available. Uh, the next thing in the news is that Disneyland is had a little thing with the uh, city of Anaheim when they expanded the Disneyland Resort. The Anaheim City Council said that they needed to do something about the backside of Cars Land. Basically, you can see the backside of the scenes and props and things like that, so they need to kind of fix that, camouflage that, so that it can't be seen by the Anaheim Convention Center. Yeah, it was a part of a 1996 agreement they actually had in the city of Anaheim for the expansion. Uh, and the, the Anaheim Convention Center is about to be expanded. And the back of Cars Land, when you the photo that I've seen, it looks really bad. It looks very much like the backside of a, of a scene. Like, yeah, you know. it's wood planking. It, you yeah. know, so uh, this is actually similar. The, the Indiana Jones show building actually that faces the Grand California Hotel. Uh, they, in order to fix that up, they grew some trees in there. So it's possible they might try to do something like that. Maybe put some more trees, kind of hide it out, or maybe just repainted. Uh, either way, Disney has un- basically decided they're going to take it upon themselves to go and honor the old agreement and fix this up a little bit. So it's definitely a good idea just to make things a little better around town. Mm-hmm. Now, when I first saw the headline of this story, I was a little confused. Uh, the headline says uh, that that Bob Iger was awarded for his service to veterans, and I, I had thought, you know, but that's what it actually says, but when I was seeing the articles, they were saying for his veteran service or something, and I thought maybe Bob Iger was in the military. To my knowledge, he wasn't, but maybe he was, I don't know 100% for sure, but he is being honored by the Navy SEAL Foundation, Foundation, did I say it right? Either way. But, uh, so Iger started a Disney initiative, because uh, he's, well, he's getting the Patriot Award for this, but he wanted to make sure he uh, hires and trains some veterans for, for a job, and it's called Heroes Work Here. That's nice. So, you know, he's had so far like over 15,000 veterans find work. Well, he's hired 8,000 veterans, and then 15,000 that he's managed to find work elsewhere, helping train and get them brought in. And uh, they have a great quote from Iger that says, My father served in the Navy in World War II, and back then the war was appreciated sacrifice. Yet in Vietnam, the soldiers came back to a deeply divided nation. And every generation of veterans deserves a lifetime of gratitude. Absolutely. So I really appreciate that. I like the fact that he respects the fact that it's it's not fair that the World War II veterans are honored, and then the you know the Vietnam veterans got treated like crap. Well, it's pretty um, much everybody back. after that. So yeah, it's the world has changed. So Bob Iger, good on you. Are you very deserving of this? I love this award for you because mm-hmm. yes, when our veterans come in, you know, trying to reacclimate, you've been through heck, yeah. uh, and so sometimes they have a hard time getting back into society, getting in work, and you know, getting some good you know some more job skills, and you know going back to normal, mm-hmm. which is very understandable. So the fact that he does this, 
Uh, I love you more for it there, Bob. Keep it up. You are a good CEO. All right, now this this is something I got a bit of surprise because the original article I found is that somebody had leaked a photo of what the Shocker is going to look like in Spider-Man Homecoming. I did not even know the Shocker was going to be in it. I have almost been playing comfortably dumb because I didn't. I don't want to know a lot of the details. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah. So, but I, I thought the Shocker, and so I went and looked at the, the picture of the figure. It's very, very cool. They tried to keep it similar to uh, to how uh, the Shocker looks. Now, this is why this is kind of special to me. The first Amazing Spider-Man comic that I bought with my own money was with the Shocker. The Shocker. And it was a completely self-contained story with the Shocker. He was trying to find this pack that would increase his vibration. Uh, basically, Herm- it's Herman Schultz who, was, uh, while in prison, kind of worked and invented these little gauntlets that he sends these vibration kind of waves out. Uh, and, you know, basically it's like getting electric shock. Because, you know, you feel like the vibration when you get a little shock. And zzz, oh! Uh-huh. It's like that. Uh, well, they found a way for him to exist in the Spider-Man Homecoming verse. And I guess... You know, with the Vulture kind of grabbing some uh, technology from Avengers fights, you know, maybe they've tinkered around, which I use the word tinker very specifically, and so the Shocker is in it, and the figure actually looks really cool, and I guess you're going to see, I've seen some photos, it looks like he's slowly going to develop into the full character, Uh, but, you know, it's always dangerous having more than one villain in a movie. So yeah. I, I'm nervous about this. Yeah. The Shocker could be really... The Shocker's not like a big-name villain for in most cases. Uh, yeah, I still love him because it's, it's, it's a Spider-Man villain. Yeah, some nostalgia. Yes, I have some yeah. nostalgia. And he was in the animated series. The Shocker was in there. Uh, but I've also found out the Tinkerer will be in the film. Now, he was also another minor... Uh, he's, he's, I think he's not just for Spider-Man. I think he's been in a, for a lot of Marvel villains. But he helps make a lot of those gadgets. And he's this little genius guy. So I can see maybe the Tinkerer working with the Vulture to build some tech and building, helping the Shocker build the gauntlets. So that's very cool. So uh, I hope I haven't ruined anything by telling you these characters will be in the film, but, you know, I've learned this, and I thought it was kind of cool that there's a figure of the Shocker that looks really neat. So I wanted to go ahead and share it because, you know, I'm kind of excited for it. I do worry, though, that you get too many villains in the pot, but it seems like they do have a major focus with the Vulture, and it's, oh, my gosh, it's Michael Keaton. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, I, I can see where, like, if you had some, you know, other villains that showed up, like, real quick, and he just kind of put them away, like, real quick, not not had an immersive story with them to split your attention. Seems like just they're like henchmen real, for the vulture. Just like a real quick, yeah, like a, you know, henchman kind of thing. I think I could see that going much better than having two well-developed characters and trying to juggle two of those storylines. Yeah, instead of just constantly going nameless thugs like, I don't know, Batman movies from the 89... <laughs> Where you just have multiple thugs so Batman can just beat them all up. You know, now we're having some actual other villains. Because generally in Spider-Man comics, you don't see a lot of his villains having a bunch of thugs working for them. It's usually singletons. It's usually them. And so having some other villains that are maybe working for the Vulture? Ah! (laughs) Sounds really cool. Yes, it kind of gets me excited. I like that idea. Alrighty, uh, if you happen to be in the Los Angeles area and you have, I don't know, uh, a few uh, million to spare. <laughs> <laughs> and who doesn't have a million lying around? I don't. I know. That's who doesn't. I, I know. But Profiles in History is going to have an auction in Los Angeles. It's going to take place June 26th through the 28th. And they have some really cool movie props, including Luke Skywalker's lightsaber. So now which lightsaber is actual this? Because he has used. more than one that he uses, right? But no, this is the actual prop from A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. 
Okay. I mean, well, that's at least where it's been there. But this is an actual movie prop. Luke Saber. Luke Saber. Luke Saber. Exactly. It's a Luke Saber. <laughs> I'm going with that. I think we coined a new term. <laughs> Trademark Neverland Podcast, Luke Saber. <laughs> it is a Luke Saber, and you can buy it. Before Ray learns how to use it, mm-hmm. you can buy it. They're expecting it to go between 150000 and 250000 though. I think that's that's probably going to be conservative. Yes. This was in the possession of Gary Kurtz, you know, producer. He also came along and worked on The Dark Crystal, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Uh, and there's even a personalized letter that certifies the authenticity of this thing. Why would you give that up? I don't know. Because Gary Kurtz don't need it, I guess. Oh, I guess. I couldn't find anything about this going for charity, but I, mean, I guess he just wanted to sell it. I don't know exactly what's going on, but... Here's some other cool things. Bill Paxton's armor from Aliens. Game over, man! But it's only going to sell for like 10000 to 15000 Charlie Bucket's screen-used golden ticket from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. This was actually owned by the director Mel Stewart and is estimated to sell for about forty to 60000 that, that would be fun to have. For, yeah. I, I, like, I like Willy Wonka. I like that movie. I'd be worried because it's, I mean, it's just ticket. It's just like a plasticky paper. I, uh, hopefully it's framed. I would You'd frame that frame sucker. frame it and mount it and like all that yes. stuff. Yes. Yeah. A screen-used Atlantean sword from Conan the Barbarian, mm-hmm. which was originally owned by director John Millis and estimated to sell for about forty to $60,000. Mm-hmm. Leonardo DiCaprio's main screen-used outfit from Titanic, which is estimated to sell for $100,000 to $150,000. Yeah, not so much on that one. <laughs> Who cares? Not me. <laughs> I mean, me. I know that a lot of people like that movie. That's yeah. not necessarily one of mine. I'm not really all that excited. But there is a lot of stuff going for sale. This is just a few of the things that uh, I saw in a press release. Uh, very, very cool. And uh, I, believe me, I would at least like to go and see it. Yeah. Um, oh, man, I wish Lost Boy Philip was here now that I look at this. Uh, actress Glenn Headley passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mainly uh, there's other stuff I recognize her from being in. She was in a lot of different things. Never anything huge. But, she was kind of side characters. But yeah, she was in uh, Lonesome Dove. Yeah, and that's why I should have talked to Philip about yeah, this. Yeah, and Dick Tracy. Yeah, but Dick Tracy is where I think I'm gonna remember because it's a Disney film. Dick mm-hmm. Tracy. She played Tess Trueheart. Mm-hmm. Passed away at 62. I didn't realize she was that old. At all. I, I didn't think she was that old either. Um, now, anybody who's 62 listening is like, I'm not old. I'm sorry. Well, no, and that's not really very old. That's not really old. That's anymore. not that old to pass away. Mm-hmm. I mean, considering uh, uh, some of our other people we're going to talk about, I mean, like mm-hmm. uh, uh, Adam West was 88. Yeah, that's a good long uh, life. That's a good long life. life. But Glenn Headley seems so young. I don't, I don't remember who she was in Lonesome Dove. Uh, okay, in Lonesome Dove, she was um, uh, the woman who... She was going to go to Oklahoma, you know, she was like going to go to Oklahoma and meet her husband or whatever, and she was pregnant, and she takes off with a couple of guys that are kind of sketchy, and she doesn't make it, like, no spoilers, but like, she gets caught up with the Indians, like a lot of people do in that movie, that, you know, series, and she doesn't make it. It's a depressing film, most people die. It is, it's very, it's, I mean, I gotta be in the mood to watch it in like a box of Kleenex, but. um, But I know Philip is a huge fan of that film mm -hmm. and has watched it many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, while we're on sad news, Peter Salas of Wallace and Gromit passed away. He was the oh, voice no. of Wallace. So sad. And I knew he was an elderly man. Because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that's... But you know, He had such a... Uh, hopefully y'all have watched some Wallace and Gromit. At least Curse of the Were-Rabbit that was out in theaters. It was great. great. I haven't watched that in a long time. He won a, uh, The person who did Wallace and Gromit won awards for some of the shorts prior, like, before yes, the Were-Rabbit. Oscar-winning stuff. Yes. Because it's so good and it's so funny. And I was actually looking up about this because I love Wallace and Gromit. 
um, that apparently Peter Salas kind of did Wallace and, and I don't know the guy's name who who, produ- who made Wallace and Gromit kind of was doing them a favor by voicing like Wallace, Wallace and Gromit. <laughs> and that's Heather breaking one of my uh, cups that my no, aunt I'm, had made. No, I'm not breaking it just to get too much junk in here. Anyway, so it was kind of like this is a young filmmaker like he's got this crazy idea I'll voice it what the heck you know kind of thing and so it went from there. But he's actually more well known in Britain, apparently, for like a, a comedy with like three older gentlemen. Like that's well, that seems what he's mostly mostly known for. Because what he did with as Wallace was so funny. And, uh-huh. Oh, how about cheese, Gromit? Cheese, yes, yes, yeah, I, oh, I love it. And uh, so, this are you even doing the hands? Me, you can't see it. You're doing the little hands. Yeah, and I. I think I've picked up that habit because I kind of do that now. Yeah. And I, I, I don't mean to do it, but it just pops up. I just Yay! do it now. The little, the little hand. Yay thing. Yeah. So, yeah. I, it really helps on a podcast when you talk about how you wave your hands a certain <laughs> way. Because nobody can see it, right? Yeah. Those of you that know me that listen to this show, I'm sure you're out there somewhere. Hi, Mom. Uh, <laughs> actually, my mom's passed, but my stepmom might listen. Probably not. Anyway. <laughs> Moving on, another person that has passed, Tino Insana, and I hope I'm pronouncing his right. Voice of many other cartoon characters, but for the Disney connection, Bushroot from Darkwing Duck passed away this week as well. This has been the week of death. It's been kind of a hard week oh. on, on people. Yeah. And everybody was like, oh, I hate you 2016 for all the people that died. You know, there's a lot of people that die every year. I don't know why 2016 seemed to hit people hardest, but already 2017, wow. I think some of them, week. maybe the more popular, maybe yeah. that's what it was. I don't know. Well, to me, these were popular. These were important people to mm-hmm. me. Uh, the big losses. And one of the uh, photos I saw with like, the Tino Encino uh, is Bobby's world. He was his uncle. That reminded me of John Candy a little bit. Mm. Uh, he and his voice sounded a little like John Candy. I wouldn't be surprised if you remember the Camp Candy cartoon that lasted like one season Saturday yeah, mornings. I, I believe I, I don't remember. If, I don't remember if John Candy voiced that or if maybe maybe it was this guy because he sounded so much like him. It might have been. I don't don't quote me on that because I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the other, what I'm gonna okay, this might be good news for some, but I'm calling it slightly depressing news. Okay, so Entertainment Weekly actually has some photos and they do look delightful in the photos. Yeah, this photo looks um, kind of nice. Well, Mary Poppins returns. So there's some photos here, uh, and it basically shows a lot of dancing numbers, and this is where um, the two kids, uh, what, Michael and, um, I forgot the little girl's oh, name. Oh my goodness, I can't believe I forgot. Uh, I'm say Jane. Michael Banks and Jane. Michael and Jane. And there's Jane, there's yeah. a picture that shows Michael and Jane, they're all adults, and now uh, Michael, I guess the two kids are supposed to be Michael's, uh, and Mary Poppins comes back, Emily Blunt playing or playing her. Uh, I I think I heard something that they, they wanted to have, um, um, Right out of my head, the original Mary Poppins. Oh yeah. Um, um I but they were wanted to make her make her have a cameo or something, but I think yeah. she's turned it down because she doesn't want to take away from Emily Blunt. Mm-hmm. Well, frankly, you got Emily Blunt trying to follow in her footsteps. I. It's hard. I. Uh, they have some photos even of director Rob Marshall and the producer John DeLuca. The sets look good. The costumes look good. I mean, everything about this should be good, but I I just can't get behind. Trying to do a sequel to Mary Poppins. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. It's, it's it's such a brilliant movie that you've really got a lot to live up to. The first one was practically perfect in every way. Exactly. And yes, I know there's more stories and more books. Mm-hmm. So, but I I just don't know that Emily maybe Emily Blunt could just completely blow me away as a new Mary Poppins. Mm-hmm. But I'm just not confident. And seeing that Meryl Streep is somehow another attached to the film, I'm sorry. After Meryl Streep ran her, ran her mouth on Walt Disney. I'm, I'm, she's persona non grata with me. 
I'm surprised. I am that done with Disney her. would have anything to do with her after second film that I know that of after one, that because yeah, know. she was in Into the Woods playing oh a nasty witch, uh, and I didn't like Into the Woods. At first half I can't say I good. really cared for it either. So, I watched it, but I, I just didn't. I don't know. No. Yeah, but I'm I'm sorry. Having Meryl Streep in there it really um, kind of kills it for me a little bit. But I'm going to see it because I'll review it, and I I would love to be completely surprised that this is and, and to have it be fantastic. I would love for this to be fantastic. But you're talking like one of my favorite all time movies. Yeah. That and you're way past the time and. You know, Richard Sherman's given an endorsement of people writing songs, but without it, Sherman Brothers working on the music, it's just not going to be the same to me. But I'm, I might be being an old fuddy-duddy, and maybe it's just my nostalgia talking, but I'm really not comfortable with this. But we'll, well see. There has been a lot of, of remakes or extensions trying to tap into movies that we loved as a kid, and not all of them have come off very well. Yeah, uh, like Maleficent. You know, um, well, and and others, you know, and it's not just Disney, but it's, it's all the movies and all of yeah. entertainment seems to be trying to rehash. Yeah. And it's, and, and honestly, it's getting a little old. Yes, it know? is. Uh, and at least it's a sequel, though, and not an attempted remake. Yes. That, uh, I mean, at least it's that. As they were trying to remake it, I would have to go and smack somebody. So what yeah. are you doing? It's almost be as bad as Tim Burton trying to remake, um, you know, doing Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Granted, it's a completely different movie, but it was done so perfectly before that mm-hmm. I would not go back and try to remake it, even though you went and tried to base a bit more off the book, and I appreciate what they tried to do. But you just can't remake. And I'm even so ver- I'm nervous, classic. actually, for him doing Dumbo, because I've seen how he can make scary crowns. But Tim Burton, sometimes, when, he, when Tim Burton is on his game, he nails it. Mm-hmm. And so, some, yeah. I mean, Tim Burton, when he's good, he's good. When he's not so good, I'm like, oh. So I'm nervous about him doing Dumbo because I, I love Dumbo. I hadn't even heard that. Yeah, he's making oh. a live action Dumbo. Oh. I know. When will the know. carnage stop? Oh. Well, you know what? To, to get our minds out of this, here's... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I saw the headline. I have to laugh. I'm, I, yeah, I, I, I put my own headline in our notes here. I put the Geese Brigade Bomb Disneyland Guests. So, and I, I'm so sorry if you're a listener and this is one of the people that happened to you, but it is a funny story, and I'm sure if you can, when you get a chance to look back at it, you can laugh at it. And Disney did take good care of these people, but about 17 people got hit with goose poo in Disneyland. And it, I, all I can think of is it must have been like a, because you know how geese, you know, Canada geese will Fly flock over. together. And I'm thinking yeah. it's got to have been Canada geese flying overhead, and they must have just been bombing people or something over Disneyland and just pooped on people. And I had to put this in because I've seen the story pop up everywhere, and we're kind of having a good laugh, and Disney did take care of them and got, yeah. gave them some new clothes, cleaned them up and everything, because... One of the things that we can look at this, Disney does take very good care of its guests. Mm-hmm. And they are not afraid to give you free special t-shirts. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, your shirt got ruined. Here, have this one. We'll, we'll get this washed for you. Well, and they take good care cleans, of them. Like it washes. Yeah, you it, know, washes. it washes. It's an embarrassing thing to have happen, but Disney took good care of them. And so, you know, good on Disney. But uh, now I think it's time we visit the trailer park. Mama, now the gator got in the house. Now the gator... Give me that sugar. Come here. Oh. Oh. Get him off. Oh. Get that game. Oh. The Neverland Trailer Park. Once every year, our ancestors come back to our world. Please have a safe journey. To see family <laughs> and friends. But no living person has ever visited their world. Until now.
right. Who's in there? I'm sorry. <gasps> What's going on? <laughs> Doctor, wait up! You gotta stay with me, boy. We don't know where we are. What is going on? Remind me how I know you? They're your family. We have to get you back home. Welcome. Anything to declare? Uh, as a matter of fact, yes. November is shaping up to be a very busy month for movies. Justice League, uh, uh, Thor Ragnarok, and Disney Pixar's Coco. Right in time for Christmas. Overall, when I look at this trailer, and, I, and a lot of people, of course, have saying, like, I think you've said this before, it looks like Book of Life, you know. But the difference is, this is Pixar. Yeah. They're going to do it better. Uh, well, I'm hoping... And so. Book of Life, I didn't enjoy. I thought it was kind of... No, I don't know. Anytime I try to watch it, I just can't get into it. Well, I, I li- it was okay movie. Um, yeah. I, I kind of like it probably better than, than you do. But there is... Because there has been more than one Day of the Dead style, like setting, yeah. you know, b- uh, movie that's come out, it really You're gives me a compared. flashback to it. And I, yeah, I'm going to try not to yeah. compare, but... And I'm, I've seen some people comment, and rightly so. It's like, well, you don't say that about when there's multiple ver- Christmas-themed movies. And that's right, because this is, it's yeah. a holiday, and mm-hmm. it's just going to have similar look because that's the way the holiday is celebrated. Sure. Now, my qualms I have with this is, uh, as much as we get into the plot... Really, from this point, is that you know we've seen this little boy before that he gets his father's guitar, or at least he idolizes this, this musician. I guess it's, I think it's supposed to be his father. He plays it, it seems plays to it, suggests it's his father. Yeah, and he pew, over into the world of the dead, and the entire mm-hmm. plot of the movie seems to be able to get him back. I'm hoping there's more to it. Mm-hmm. It seems not much. It seems like they're just trying to go with the spectacle of showing, look how beautiful this movie looks. Mm-hmm. That's all this trailer's trying to do. Look how beautiful this is, but. We've seen something that looks like this before already. You need to show me more Pixar. What gives me faith in this is because it's Pixar. Mm-hmm. I, so I know I'm going to love it because very seldom do I not love a Pixar movie. I even love The Good Dinosaur and a lot of people were like, oh, no, no, no. I, I don't understand everybody who didn't like it. I, I love that movie. It's very serious. It's very different, but I, I love it. Um, but this one, I know I'm probably going to love when I see it, but right now I'm not... That impressed, you know, as far as story. Because, yeah, of course it looks good. Although most of the dead characters, they're all skeletons. They look all alike to me. But I suppose when you get a better look and you see them all, I mean, their face colorations and painting and bits, decorations are all different. Well, yeah, I I know people, you know, say, well, we don't get tired of multiple, you know, uh, Christmas carols and things like that. It's just, for me, it's, there's too many similarities between Day of the Dead and this one because you have someone who's trying to get back to the land of the living you know, they get there in different ways. Yeah. So, from and, and the way that the world looks is very similar. Ex- although Corpse Bride? Yeah, Corpse Bride a little bit. Because um, mm-hmm. a living person crosses over into the land of the dead, and the land of the yeah. dead is super colorful. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the, but, I mean, I'm, I'm willing to just go in and, like, see it and, and see what it does. Now, yeah. there is a little bit of a Kubo that I see when he plays when the guitar. When he plays the guitar, yeah. Um... Now, you know, given the benefit of the doubt, they maybe have been working on these before these other movies they did. They They've came been out, on it a long time. you know, um, because, you know, Pixar, it seems to take its time with the movie so that they're really good, which yeah. is which is awesome because that's why we continue to love Pixar. 
you know, um, yeah. as we, you know, as they put out different movies and things. So yeah, with a Pixar name on it, it has mm-hmm. to be good. So yeah, I yeah. guess I'm I'm kind of concerned, but at the same time, I'll I'll go and I'll see it with open eyes, open yeah. heart, you know, and see um, what they have yeah. for us for this movie. Because even Brave, which I don't love, is still a good movie. I, and see, I like. Brave. It's not a great movie, but it is a good movie. I really like Brave. Yeah, I, I and I like it. I just don't love it like I love the other Pixar movies. I probably, yeah, I probably so, like it more than you do. Yeah. Tell me something. What do you know about Wakanda? It's a third world country. Textiles, shepherds, cool outfits, all the front. Explorers have searched for it. Called it El Dorado. They looked for it in South America. But it was in Africa the whole time. I'm the only one who's seen it. And made it out alive. I've been waiting for this. They've been teasing it for a long time. That we knew it was coming. You never got to see Captain America: Civil War. I've got it. I've seen part of it. I. You need to watch the whole thing because that's where you first see Black Panther. Well, he uh, was awesome in that. Like what I saw, like he was awesome in that. He's amazing. Uh, but you know, so this is King T'Challa of Wakanda, and I love how they set it up where he's. You hear Andy Serkis's character. I can't remember his name, but he's becomes Claw of Marvel. Uh, in Age of Ultron, you saw him lost his hand. He had stolen some vibranium from Wakanda. You do not steal from Wakanda. But I love how he's telling him that basically, yeah, everybody looks for the city of El Dorado, the city of gold, but it's actually this place in Wakanda because it's the only place you find vibranium, and they protect it. And their technology in Wakanda is actually far superior, yet they also have this tribal kind of culture. It's like this nice mix. It's it's, it's almost like this little fantasy world in the middle of Africa that that Marvel came up with. It's almost as if Asgard was somewhere in Africa and had more African culture than than uh, Viking awesome. culture. Which is awesome. And so getting to, to look at Wakanda on the inside, but know that Wakanda is protected by their kings, which is this long line of Black Panthers. And I love that we're getting to see, and we get to see a different costume for Black Panther than what we saw. Mm-hmm. I loved what they did in Civil War. He looked very cool. This He's got a bit more smooth, kind of tighter outfit. But one thing that at least I'm used to in some cartoons where you've seen Black Panther He's got some high technology, and he's really super smart. He's Tony Stark level genius at building stuff. So I'm, and I want to see some of the technology that they keep hidden away because you see some neat kind of flying 
um, cool looking ships and stuff in this trailer. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited to see like some of the cool things that they have made, like from vibranium and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so, I mean, it's very exciting to get in there and there's all kinds of characters that I am not familiar with. Uh, oh, Andy Serkis's character, Ulysses Claw, uh, which I'm only vaguely familiar with that, his, that last arm. He's going to get this, uh, I believe it has like a, it's a sonic device he gets his arm replaced with. So he's, you know, a very dangerous one. But uh, Michael B. Jordan, who uh, we won't talk about him being in that Fantastic Four movie that was crap. Uh, but you just did. But yeah. But he was in Creed. I can't remember. Did he play Creed? The younger Creed? But the director of Creed is in this, the film. Did you get to see Creed? It was really good. I don't good. think I did. You're not the big Rocky fan like I am. But mm-hmm. Creed was such a great film. And the director of Creed is actually in on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... That they could, it's you know it's gonna have some good direction, but but you know, characters like Eric Killmonger sounds like he's gonna be something important. But we got to see Martin Freeman from you know from uh, the Hobbit movies. Yeah. Uh, I mean Angela Bassett, she's back in this. I even saw that Felicia Rashad has a part in this. Nice. I'm hoping she's like um, T'Challa's mother because that yeah. would be cool. Oh, she would make a good like queen. Or, yes. Like very character. And kind of. I even see John Connie or Con- I don't know how to say his name is back as King T'Chaka, um, which you know we saw in Civil War. Of course, we saw him die. But you know we get some flashbacks of of a younger T'Challa apparently because they're seeing that in the cast list, and we get to we'll hear it's like well you have a good heart. But good hearts don't always make a career good kings. You know, there's a line like that. So I'm really excited to see that father and son dynamic. And because the Chala has to step up and become king of Wakanda because his father is murdered. And so, you know, I'm looking to see that. Not to mention Forrest Whitaker. I don't know who Zuri is, but come on, it's Forrest Whitaker. Now you have to remind me, Forrest Whitaker. If you didn't love him before, he was so cool in Rogue One. I mean, he's been in, he's been in so much. And he's famous for that one weird kind of lazy eye he's got. He, I mean, okay, let me click on Forrest Whitaker's name because Heather's still like I don't I, know. I'm probably sure I've seen There's him his and face. like I know he's who been he in is. so much. Um, it's probably I don't remember names very well, but like if you show Roots, me his face, I'm like, oh, I got you. He was in a version of Root. I totally uh, taken three. We never did see. Um, but he's been in about everything, and he's good and everything. He looks familiar. Like I've seen him and stuff. Yeah, so. I forgot he was in Criminal Minds. He was a regular on that series for a while. Yeah, I forgot about that. But I mean, come on, Forrest Whitaker. He's, he's so good. Okay. So, him in this, yay. Great casting so far, and I love the actor they have playing uh, T'Challa already. He was so good in Civil War, so what's not to be excited about? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm, it's kind of like a new area of the Marvel Universe that we get to go in that is very different from the others, but it yeah. is connected. So, I'm kind of excited to see... Um, like you, like you said, like how are they going to develop the culture? Because I don't know that much about Black Panther, other than like it's Black Panther. Like he wears the suit, you know, he's kind of got these things that are going on with it. He comes from Africa. Like that's about all I really know. He married Storm for a while. But I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited to see um, that part of the universe um, because it's going to be a little different than the rest of them. But there'll be a connection clearly with yeah. the vi- with the vibranium, and they've already made the connection with the. Um, Oh, what was that? The Civil War. Yeah. Um, so anyway, like I, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm waiting to see what it's, what it's gonna be like. It's gonna be I'm, pretty cool. I'm excited for um, that, that. You know. When did we see that? This, that it, it just said coming soon. I didn't say exactly when this is coming. Uh, it's coming soon. Maybe this is coming like because you know Marvel always releases like a couple of films in here anymore. They'll do like one in the spring and then one that they're not sure how it's gonna do in like August. Mm. I'm hoping this is August. Mm. 
Although we were already, already expecting Thor Ragnarok here in November, but I'll take you know more Marvel movies in one year. Heck, go I'm for sure it. I'm sure you would. Uh, I'll, I'm, I'll I'm go. excited for Thor. Yes, Thor's going to be awesome as well. Alrighty, but now I think it's time for you to go goodbye and okay. Philip to come in. To Disney and beyond. The sonic beam in this gun can slice like a hot knife through the high price spread. Ah, but I've reached an impasse. Shall I steal your voice or end your life? Whichever you decide, I'm sure it'll be the wrong choice. You've a pretty sharp tongue for a man about to say goodbye to this world, Batman. Beg, beg for your mortal existence. I'd rather die than beg for such a small favor as my life. What are you waiting for? Can't you see how I feel about you, Batman? How I want you by my side. It won't work, Catwoman. If you're going to kill me, you might as well get it over with. I can't kill the only man that I've... Don't worry, Catwoman. You wouldn't have killed me even though you shot the gun. The anti-bat sonic device in my utility belt would have deflected the beam. <laughs> well, it was a good plot while it lasted, huh? Yes, Catwoman, one of your very best. Thank you. But still, the problem remains. How do we undo what you did? The stolen voices? Yes. Oh, well, you just uh, have them all spray their throats with the atomizer. Oh. Get them back to normal in seconds, huh? Amazing. Hmm. Uh, you see... My voice eraser electronically loosened the vocal cords and uh, just have them spread and it'll uh, tighten them right back up again. Amazing. Mm, Batman, when I get out of jail, will you take me on a date? We'll have plenty of time to think about that, Catwoman. Several years, I'm afraid. If I were to kiss you, would you think I was a bad girl? But, uh... No. No, of course not. Catwoman. Kissing is one of the most natural things in the world. Uh, some people kiss almost every day, I'm told. Well? Come on, Batman, the police are here. Boy, blunder. Catwoman. May I take a rain check on that kiss? Certainly, Batman. Anytime. Holy mush! To the Batmobile. Let's go. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger. Ready to move out. So, well, obviously, for uh, some of our main content, we're going to talk about the passing of Adam West because, let's face it, he's a geek icon. And, oh, yes. And we do have a Disney connection. He did voice uh, in Chicken Little. Yes. And also, uh, what was the other one? I was just seeing it the other day. Chicken Little. But he's in Chicken Little and then uh, Meet the Robinsons. He did do some voice work in those. The Robinsons. He had a wonderful voice. He 
had a wonderful inflection. This was his main way of talking. His communication skills were talented and quite spectacular. Yeah. Dramatic. He, he almost almost Shatner-ish. Well, no. Shatner, he has another style. Very similar, but not quite the same. But they'd have been awesome together. Oh. We, we've talked about this many times. They should have played brothers. I've always wanted them to play brothers. Yeah. Always. I'm heartbroken. I'm very, very heartbroken. I've I've been waiting for years. My, all my close friends know this. I have an action figure of Adam West, several, but one in particular that's never been opened, just waiting to be signed by by Adam West. And uh, I have a, a picture that I brought here today waiting to be signed, and it's, it's never happened. It's never going to happen. But I have all these action figures of Adam West. He's one of my all-time favorites, him and William Shatner. I have William Shatner's autograph. I've gotten to speak and meet William Shatner on a couple of occasions. Uh, it'll never happen with Adam West. I have, however, in a way, gotten to meet him. I've gotten to wave at him from afar. I've gotten to see him when I was 11 years old, so I've at least gotten to see him in person. And uh, he was dressed like Batman. This was 1988. I was 11 years old. He was at a World of Wheels, and he was awesome, and I love him. I will always love Adam West. Was he a geek? Absolutely. Yeah. Did he know he was a geek? I'm sure Absolutely. he did. Absolutely. And you know what? That's what made him so wonderful. Yeah. He was he was one of us. You know, he, he, he loved the fact that he was Batman. And he cashed in on it, and I love that. Yeah. Oh, and I love the fact that uh, he has, at one point, was saying, because in, in the 89 Batman film, you know, you have the, who are you? He, he would joke to say, no one ever had to ask who I was. Mm-hmm. I'm Batman. I remember when 89 <laughs> Batman came out. At first, I didn't know what to think of Adam West at that time because Adam and this is a year after I'd seen him he kind of didn't know what to think of that film of course mm. I love the 89 Batman yeah. film yeah when I first saw the commercial I saw him all in black and how dark it was it was very different from what I was used yeah. to because of the Adam West but at first you know he, he was kind of disappointed because he wanted to be in the Batman movie yeah and I kept thinking I was glad they didn't and I still it would have been neat to see him maybe and that little clip have as Thomas Wayne yeah I still think like that. I still think they could have should have later on or something especially when they got campy and corny and stupid in Batman and Robin <laughs> it would have been great to have him as Thomas Wayne even if they had ever done and i know they talked about it i still to this day think they should have made a movie called batman fearless and it should have been you know scarecrow or something and if batman had been hit with the the fear toxin or whatever had adam west be the father for just a second Mm, that would have been great something like that yeah it would have been great but it never happened of course yeah and I, i think they missed out on several opportunities and that was one of them yeah, well, but let's go back in yeah. our childhood memories a bit. Because yes. I remember when I first saw it, it came on right after He-Man and the Masters of the Universe yes. when I was a kid uh, on syndication, 62. Channel 62. And so we'd watch He-Man, and I was like, oh my gosh. And to me, I thought it was a brand new Batman. No. Because I, you know, I wasn't alive in 66, so yeah. it was to me, I thought it was a new show, but I could tell it seemed to have some age on it, but... You know, I watched a lot of shows in syndication that, you know, it didn't, I, I never had a concept that Leave it to Beaver had been filmed 50 years before yeah. I had seen it, you know. But I didn't understand when I was a kid that it was trying to be campy and cheesy. I was excited and thrilled and took it seriously as a kid. Uh-huh. Oh, it was, and I, I don't know. when he was, when he, you know, because they, they would show it for an hour. So yeah. you would, you would get, no, actually, no, I guess they didn't they show it an hour first. An hour. They would do it in half an hour, so you'd have the cliffhangers. I would be absorbed into the cliffhanger, like, oh, no, how is Batman going to get out of this ridiculous thing where he's going to be dunked upside down into a pool of sharks? Sure. You know? Tune in. Same bat time. Same, same bat, bat channel. channel. Yes. <laughs> right. My I problem was, was in, in, that. In, my, in my house, 
We had the kids. The other kids didn't really want to watch it. They wanted to watch Brady Bunch, which I still love. Incidentally, it's corny too. Around the same time, except it's sixty nine. Anyway, I really wanted to watch Batman. They wanted to watch Brady Bunch. So my mom said, "This is what we'll do. Here's the fair thing. Every day we'll watch Brady Bunch, and then the next day we'll watch Batman." Problem is, I don't want to see half the adventure. Oh no! So it wasn't until nineteen eighty nine when Batman came out. They on I don't remember what channel if it was uh, Nickelodeon, Nick at Night, or whatever it was. Yeah, I remember Nick at Night showed them. Yeah, they had. So I finally would get to see the full adventure, and I was so thrilled because you had a lot of guest stars. You had you know yeah. Vincent Price is a yeah. and, and you know you had a. All these great actors who was coming in there and playing all these different things. It was wonderful. I loved it. Yeah. But it's, it was a tor- terrible, corny show, which I now own every episode of. <laughs> I, I love need it. to get that set still. Oh, it's great. It's uh-huh. horrible. It's one of those shows that's so bad, it's good. But they meant it to be that way. Yeah. That's what's yeah. fun about it. It's great. Because <sighs> I think um, when I came back to it at some point and see, well, I think when Nick and Mike was showing it and I had gotten used to the 89, you come back and you watch it and you realize how campy and cheesy it is. And you're kind of like, oh, gee, I don't know about this. But then you realize they were trying to do that, and you can sit back down and say, you know what? This is just silly and fun. I love uh, this. It's great. Yeah, Roddy McDowell is the bookworm. Yes. Right? Yeah. Which there's even tributes to that in some of the Arkham games. Mm-hmm. Those little things that the bookworm has a has a store. Oh, but here's here's a fun thing. I had almost forgotten that there had been because I'd seen on HBO, I think the 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 old Batman movie from the '60s. Yeah. But uh, in middle school, before we'd have a vacation day or a day off or whatever, some sort of holiday, we would get to go into the auditorium and they would show us a full film strip film on a big screen. So mm-hmm. we full movie those. experience. And uh, since the Batman movie had come out the summer before and it was a big thing, the year after when I was in – I can't remember what grade. what It doesn't matter. But I was in middle school and we went and they, the teacher was like, oh, we're excited. Oh, we're going to watch Batman today in, in with our big gathering. And we were like, what? Really? The new one? And it turned out to be the 60s one. And we were kind of like, oh. But then I was like, oh, but this is great and this was fun to watch. In there, you know, getting to watch the old Batman, and we all reacted. We boo the villains and and woo when he yeah, you know kissed yeah, Miss Kid Kid stuff. You know, we had so much fun with it. But oh, I, and I was all still actually engrossed, even as middle school. I was like, you know, at first I was like, wow, these were camping and cheesy. But then you realize, but it's fun. And I got all engrossed in it. And I was like, well, here's it's not a, the '89, but it's still. It, here's awesome. a quick history of the show that I didn't, I never did understand as a kid. Now I do. Uh, it was one of those shows that they did not expect anything from. It came out in 1966, January of 1966. It was one of those mid-season things. It came out. It was a huge hit. And it was so big that they decided to make a quick movie to come out in the summer. Problem is, Julie Newmar had already signed up to do another film or something. So Mm. she wasn't able to make this movie. And they decided to go ahead and make their biggest, their four biggest villains that people loved. One of them being Mrs. Catwoman, but Julie Newmar couldn't do it. So they got another actress to play Miss Kitka. Yeah. And uh, with that, they had her. And they also, of course, had, uh, what's his name? Uh, I can't think of it right now. But anyway, play uh, Penguin. Uh, Burgess Meredith. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome actor. Wonderful. Yeah. Later on being Rocky and all that. Yeah. And then you had... Uh, uh, You're a bum, Batman. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and then you had Caesar, Caesar Romero as Joker. Yes, I always loved him as a Joker. Oh, and then there's a, oh, the Riddler. Uh, um, Frank Gorshwin. Yes. yes. And he was great in there, too. <laughs> 
yeah. And he would clap. I have the perfect plan. I have the perfect plan. So that movie did huge. And then they came back uh, for a yes. second season. And that second season was really good. Now, unfortunately, by the time you get the third season, it kind of started winding down. It wasn't near as good. but And you had a different Riddler. Yeah. Uh, and Batgirl kind of drug it down a little. And Batgirl, yeah, she didn't do near as good. But that's where she came from. She That's where she first came from was from the show. Hmm. So at least you got that. Yeah. And then uh, the Riddler was played by... Uh, Fred Aston was his name, the the guy who played Mr. Adam from the Adams family. Uh but anyway, that was him. And then uh Um mean like um Aston? Yeah. Um not Sean. It's Sean's dad. Uh oh, yeah. Anyway, you know what I'm Everybody's talking about. Everybody's yelling at the at the podcast. Yeah, you know, but you know what I'm talking about. He was yeah. Saying, but he so he played a riddler in the thing? John Aston, whatever. John Aston, you got it. it. Yeah. The, yeah, he that was him. That was him. Yeah, he played the Riddler on the season three. Yeah. I, I don't think I've seen that. Yeah, mustache and all. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, sort of, Cesar Romero had his mustache yeah. as the Joker. Yeah, and they just painted white over it and hope yeah. nobody even noticed. I think it would have been awesome if they'd have just taken time and said, you know what? Green that mustache. Yeah. That would have been awesome. What's great is even on the toys they make, they have the white mustache. Yeah. <laughs> totally. No, but anyway, that was that's the basic thing. So Adam West and Burt Ward were basically known as Batman and Robin. So much so yeah. that in the 1970s when they made this horrible Justice League TV show. I can't remember the name of it right now. It was this horrible Justice League hour, which I incidentally have a copy of on video. <laughs> horrible pirate copy. Of, horrible thing. It was so horribly bad that they made this show and the only good people in it were Batman and Robin because it was Adam West and Burt Ward. Ward. They returned. <laughs> I mean, it's so bad that you have the Green Lantern and they can't have him doing his powers really. So he points the ring at himself to make him go boop. And appear in different areas. And the same, by the way, with the Flash. Mm. The Flash can just kind of go beep, 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 and show up in different areas. He's so fast that he uh, just kind of appears in different places. Wow. Oh, it's really bad. Really, really bad. But anyway, that's Does what this they ever get actually aired on television at all? Yeah, two episodes. One, wow. Ed, Ed, oh, uh, what's his name the, the, from The Tonight Show? Uh, Ed McMahon. Ed McMahon. He was on it. It was really <laughs> Who bad. Who was he? Superman? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they had it. I don't think if Superman was on it, but it was really bad. It was horrible. Oh, horrible show. wow. It didn't make it. But anyway, uh, you think? <laughs> it was horrible. You got to watch oh, it sometime. Wow. Uh, but, I don't know. I have a hard time suffering through the Star Wars holiday special. But, <laughs> but Adam West and, and uh, Burt Ward weren't done being Batman and Robin yet because they got to do the voices on the filmation. And if that wasn't enough, sometimes... I Hannah, still haven't seen that filmation, Batman. Yeah, it was, it was good. That. It was good. And some, I mean, I say it's good. It was for a three-year-old or four-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> and then sometimes, sometimes they even did the voice for Batman and Robin on the Hanna-Barbera. Now, sometimes Burt Ward didn't, so they had Casey Kasem do it. Yeah, I'm more used to, I think, Casey Kasem on yeah. Super Friends. But Adam West many a times did the voice for Batman. Yeah, because they had that Batman animated series thing. And then, I think, before the Super Friends show... This is why which, Joker wasn't always involved, because the way they had the copyright... Filmation had the Joker, and this is why Riddler would trade places on the Hanna Barbera with the huh. Joker. That's the reasoning. Yeah, and I can't remember hardly ever seeing the Joker. I remember seeing the Joker in a Scooby Doo episode when they yes. did the team. When I think it might have was it Adam West and Burt Ward when they yeah. did that with Scooby Doo. I, I, I believe Casey Kasem did the voice. Yeah, uh, of course he was doing double time. Yeah, <laughs> somebody somebody correct us if we got that wrong. But yeah. But I do. I remember that's the worst Joker uh, voice. Oh yeah. Uh, worst actor was Jared Leto. That's probably not his fault though. Um, but the worst voice. Huh, he sounded like this the whole time. This was the Joker and the Scooby Doo episode. Hey, yeah, I'm like that is. Hey, you terrible. guys! Come on, you guys! <laughs> yeah, oh, it was awful. Totally awful. Yeah. Well, uh, they're trying to combine it with all these different. 
combination of yeah. impersonations. I think most of the Batman I had gotten is because Super Friends. I remember watching when I was a kid on Saturday mornings. Mm-hmm. I'd watch Super Friends, and then they had weekday episodes of Batman and Robin. Uh, and uh, Adam West will always be Batman to me. And uh, I oh, know he absolutely. did a lot of things afterwards. Uh, I did actually find there is an AdamWest.com, and I did find a quite a long. Uh, uh, biography, and he actually made nearly fifty movies, hmm. uh, stuff like Drop Dead, Drop Dead Gorgeous, if I can speak, The New Ways, The Young Philadelphians, An American Vampire Story, Soldier in the Rain, Robinson Crusoe on Mars, and Nevada. I've seen Smith. some of that, <laughs> but uh, come on, Robinson Crusoe on Mars. Of course, that's an Adam West thing. And when I was real young, I remember they used to have this on TV. Things were a lot different when I was young. Uh, they used to have like uh, TV stars doing. I don't know what they called TV stars, but they called them, you know. Hollywood doing stunts and tricks. And I remember Adam West in a stunt show where he was like driving a race car. I don't remember if he was supposed to be doing his own stunts Hmm. or what it was. But I remember as a kid, hey, it's Batman. He had a helmet on. So to me, that's Batman doing his own stunts. There you go. And that to me was just the coolest thing. Oh, and we definitely, we can't get through this without talking about his appearance as the Grey Ghost. Oh, yes. Batman the Animated Series. I think it's season one that they did that. It, oh, he was too cool. It was awesome because it basically had like Bruce Wayne had watched a show as a child of the Grey Ghost. Mm-hmm. And uh, Adam West was playing the actor who had played the Grey Ghost. And in the background, you see a poster that is basically the logo of Batman the Animated Series. Remember? There would be Batman. But it was the, the Grey Ghost. It was the Grey Ghost. Yeah. It kind of had a Dick yeah, Tracy look about it, which yeah. I know was on purpose. Yeah. Did, there's a Dick Tracy look about it, which, incidentally, Batman Animated Series, they, they admitted later on, Paul Dini them, that it was supposed to have a little bit of a Dick Tracy look. Cool. So, and it did, kind yeah, of. Yeah. It did, it did yeah. look like Dick Tracy. Yeah. Oh, and but that was such a great episode, and, it, and it's such great memory that even in, let's see, it was at Arkham City, hmm. uh, Batman Arkham City, that you go into the Oracle's Lair. And there's actually you can see some great ghost memorabilia mm-hmm, yeah. actually in the in the game, and I love that they did that because that that is still one of my favorite episodes. I have every episode of that. Is, yeah, That's I've the got greatest. most of them. I think I need to borrow a few more from you because sure, I, I think I've only got like uh, the first volume, and then I made a copy of the second volume. Because I can't always afford to get all these things. Uh, although I remember in the animated series, I kind of lost interest when they changed this style of it. I didn't like the new That's style. Last season, but but um, you know what? The stories are great. Yeah, the stories are apparently still very good, and I know I think I have borrowed some to at least watch uh, where they did the Batman. Uh, Throughout the time, they actually borrowed some Frank Miller uh, yeah. stuff and did some different things. Um, but I want to turn a quick corner here because not only do that, that I want to talk about the passing of Adam West because that just happened. And so I'm kind of changing gears for the show. But something else was big this week, and that was the 83rd birthday of Mr. Donald Duck. Oh, yes. <laughs> One guess, guess who? Who never, never starts an argument? Who never shows a bit of temperament? Who's never wrong but always right? Who never dreams of starting a fight? Who gets stuck with all the bad luck? No one but Donald Duck. All right, and of course, that was the great theme song, and I always loved the theme song because who gets stuck with all the bad luck? No one but Donald Duck. Exactly. And I I remember when I first watched it. Oh, did you remember this? And let's stop and listen to this theme song as well. Donald Duck Presents on the Disney Channel. Ah. Uh-huh. 
Nana, nana, nana. I remember because that was back when the Disney Channel was a premium channel. You had yes. to pay for it. I did. Every morning, every weekday morning, we'd watch this. And so I got to watch a lot of Disney cartoons that way and got more, you know, and I I do love Mickey. We all know I love Mickey Mouse. Oh, boy. But I always loved Goofy and Donald more because stuff actually happened to them. Hey, Jeremy, I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. Who's got the sweetest disposition? One guess. Guess who? Uh, that's right. <laughs> who never ever starts an argument? Who? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was about to say we we just went through the same. Oh, that's we're gonna right. do it again. That's right. <laughs> we're gonna do it again. But that's where I, I think I first got because I was familiar with the characters. But that's where I finally got to actually see a lot of the episodes. Is you know Donald Duck presents, and you'd get some Mickey Mouse, some even some black and white ones every once in a mm-hmm. while. Uh, I guess there was another show called Good Morning Mickey that had a bit more Mickey Mouse cartoons, but I never actually caught that one. I've only found some stuff while I was doing some research for this. But Donald Duck presents. I used to love watching that, and I've loved Donald Duck uh, for all their all for his 225 films that I've seen. A lot of them, but yeah, that's from from last count. I've got 225 films that he at least has appeared in because not every appearance was a Donald Duck one. Sometimes it was a Mickey Mouse short uh, and things like that, and of course, you know, Mickey's Christmas Carol. So he's always appearing. Uh, but I found 12 interesting facts, including, of course, the 225 films. And then I also want to talk about some of my favorite cartoons, which hopefully you can remember some of yours. Oh, I do. You probably didn't get a chance to go through a list like I did. But I found Donald Duck's full name is Donald Fauntleroy Donald Duck. Yep. Was first revealed in 1942, Donald Gets Drafted. Although his first appearance was, um, oh, something about a, a little hint. Let me go back to the filmography. I found a filmography complete here. Uh, first appearance. The Wise Little Hen. Mm, that's right. Uh, and The Orphan's Benefit, which was his second one in 1934, which The Wise Little Hen was also 1934. Orphan's Benefit was actually originally in black and white, but they remade it in color. And I actually on YouTube found where somebody did a side-by-side and ran both cartoons together, which was pretty cool to see how it had changed with some of the, you know, the characters got different designs, you know, Mickey got pupils and stuff like that. Uh, but I found a complete list of some of his appearances. I was told that, from what I understood, that his second appearance was actually, uh, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I was, I was under the uh, impersonation that his second appearance was the one where Mickey is, has a concert. Maybe that's the yeah, the band concert, concert. but yeah. that actually was the fourth oh, appearance. Okay, there you go. But that, that, to me, is one of the most significant of the early ones, that I because I absolutely love that. Oh, right. that's my favorite one. Yes, yeah, yeah. 1935. They've actually got a ride based off the band concert. That's my favorite. That's I love it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I yes. love the music because it's got, first of all, the, oh, uh, what's the name of it? Uh, the 
Lone Ranger. William Tell's uh, Overture. Overture. Oh, my goodness. And then here comes Donald Luck playing Turkey in the Straw. Yeah, which is another one of my favorite that. songs yeah. of all time. I just and eventually it. they play this. Well, this, this the storm is part of the William Tell Overture yeah, in sure the whole is. place. Yeah, but I just great. love the honoriness of Donald Luck in there. I think because we all have a little bit of that honoriness. Yes. You know, I th- that's what I love about Mickey. Goofy and Donald. It's the same thing I love about Kirk, McCoy, and Spock. Mm-hmm. That if you take all three of them, they have a bit of the personality that we all carry, and you, you separate them. There's those characters. You know, we all have those. If we, if we're honest, we all have a little bit of the honor, a little bit of the innocent, and a little bit of the goof. Oh know? yes, and that's it. At different points, that's it. Yeah. Uh, next fact I have is Donald is an American Pekin duck. Unless it's huh. spelled Pekin. His species was historically bred in China, but became a popular commercial duck breed for egg and meat production in the U.S. after it was first brought to Long Island in 1873. Huh. I guess that's about what you call the standard white duck. Yeah. That you don't really see in the wild. No. Huh. Interesting. Now here's This is fun. Donald has an asteroid named after him. Asteroid 12410 was named Donald in 1995 as located in the asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter. Donald won an Oscar for the 1943 animated short, The Fuhrer's Face, which was originally titled Donald Duck in Nutsy Land. Yep. I love this one, too. Uh, I, I, the, the People kind of fuss about propaganda, but we got to love the World War II propaganda films. Absolutely. And, and the Disney Company, I mean, they made a lot of them. I even love uh, Victory Through Air Power. It's, it's a great watch. Uh, it's, it's different because it's, it's more informational. But I, I love watching some of that old stuff because it's got such history. But, yeah, this one is just flat out goofy, silly propaganda, making fun. I own that Nazis. one. I love that one. That's a great Yes. One. Uh, Donald co-hosted the Oscars in 1958. Hey, how about you read some of these? I'm making you just sit here and stare. Ah. You can read the number six here. All right. Donald co-hosted the Oscars in 1958, appearing at the Movie Awards ceremony uh, on film alongside the night's Oscar host Bob Hope, Jack Lemmon, David Niven, Rose, I can't read that. Rosalind one. Russell, Rosalind Russell, and James Stewart. Oh, could you imagine Donald Duck and James Stewart in the same uh, time? Uh, hey, hey, Donald! Hey, Donald! <laughs> uh, uh, who, who, who do you think won the best picture of, of, of this year? <laughs> no, can understand what I say is Donald. Oh, go, go there with, with Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, in 2005, Donald was given his own star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Why did it take until 2005? <laughs> I guess that's yeah. They didn't want to do it for animated characters. Okay, Walt Disney number eight. Walt Disney created Donald around uh, Clarence Nash's Doug's voice. Nash voiced Donald from 1934 to 1983. Yeah, and a lot of appearances. Even uh, Walt Disney, you know, they, they, he had like a, a radio show for mm. a little while, and you, they they really loved having Clarence Nash on there because people got a real kick out of Donald Duck's voice. Because it, it was kind of, you know, until you kind of learn that little bit of the trick of, of how the sound is created, it, it was mind-blowing. But, yeah, it's like catching that air in your cheek with your tongue and stuff like that. But there apparently are a lot of other tricks, Tony Anselmo has said, to getting the right vocal tone and being able to have understandable. But there are certain words Donald cannot say because mm. you wouldn't understand what he was saying. I, I would love to learn what those secrets are. But I, he I've heard him in interviews say that... You have to have some of the conditions just right because at certain times of the day, your nasal passages are just in the right spot to get just the right sound for Donald. So you have to pick your nose. Or certain, no, I'm joking. I'm yeah, joking. you have to pick your nose at certain times <laughs> to get the right bill. Uh, anyways, number nine, Donald's family circle includes his parents, sister, and nephews. His mother is Hortense McDuck, and his dad is Quackmore Duck. His sister is Della Thelma Duck. 
His nephews, Huey, Dewey, and Louie, are best recognized from the XD show DuckTales. Well, the lists I found, of course, the XD show DuckTales, but we learned them from the 80s Disney afternoon That's right. DuckTales. Woohoo. Woohoo. I now have every episode of that. <laughs> oh, you do? So I've only got one volume so far. Yeah, well, we borrow that too. <laughs> yeah. We're loaning uh, stuff to each other, but I, I still want to go get copies. I got Launchpad McQuack, my favorite of the show. Yeah. <laughs> And what I love about that show, not that this has anything to do with that, but what I love about that show is that it went back to the 1950s and 60s comic books. And yes. So dealt with and the, borrowed a lot from it. Yes. And mm-hmm. I love it. That's great. Mm-hmm. Great. You know, the Well, Beagles. especially because Scrooge McDuck was a comic yeah, That's character, right. And the so. Beagles, the Beagle Boys. The Beagle Boys and stuff right. like that. Yes. Love it. Oh, yeah. All right. Number 10. One of the greatest satisfactions in our work here at the studio is the warm relationship that exists within our cartoon family. Mickey, Pluto, Goofy, and the whole gang have always been a lot of fun to work with. But like many large families, we have a problem, child. You're right. It's Donald Duck. That's right. Walt Disney once said of this character. Yeah, that's basically the whole thing. Where I guess it would be nice to preface to say that, yes, that was a Walt Disney quote. That's right. But yes, he was the problem child. That's one of the things I always loved about Donald because he had the same temper problems I did sometimes. <laughs> Except for he loses cool quicker than I would. Yeah. <laughs> I was always, you know, I was always a combination of, of all of them. I had the uh, the build of... of uh, what's his name? Of Pete. A Pete. That mm-hmm. The build of Pete, uh, the... the Kind of personality of Mickey. I mess around like Goofy. I smelt like Pluto and had the temper of Donald. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I uh, listed it as a Facebook thing. You compare yourself to characters. Like, yeah, you strive to be Mickey. You end up acting like Donald, but everybody looks at you as being Goofy. That's exactly right. But if I had to pick one Disney character movie-wise, it's probably more like Blue, uh, like Baloo the Bear. <laughs> A special microphone, the Newman TLM-170, was used to record Donald's voice. Now, I wonder if it's the same one they're using today. I don't know. But uh, I don't know anything about that microphone, but perhaps I'll learn something. I mean, I'm studying audio right now. Who knows? I might learn some stuff. Donald's better half, Daisy Duck, was called Donna before she became famous. She first appeared in Don Donald, a 1937 short film. Oh, and Daisy's had some great appearances. There was one... uh, uh, we were watching uh, just the other day because I was I was boning up on my Donald Duck, and uh, there's one that I thought was really cute where uh, Donald got hit over the head with a flower pot, and suddenly he had this great singing voice, but forgot all about one. Daisy. Yes. Oh, it's such a great one, and she has to clobber him. And it's funny because the therapist that she's talking to his therapist about the whole thing, it's like, do you really want to be that selfish to take his voice away from the world just so you or yourself can have him? And she's like, yes. I also love the one. <laughs> I love the one where ever uh, originally it was supposed to be her nephews. They had it as if oh, it was right. and and yeah. they had it as if uh, he was marrying into the family and are going to at least and it's as if it was a dream or whatever and he marries her and he comes out and she's got a cigarette hanging out of her mouth you remember and oh, she got her yeah. hair up over and she goes what's the matter <laughs> oh yes and uh, another great one with Daisy Duck is the one where she finally has enough of him losing his temper yeah and she sends him off so you better go learn to control your temper and then at the end because he went and tore up the place. Uh, and just made a mess and so she kicks him out and breaks up but then he comes back and he's got control of his temper and then something happens and she loses her cool and tears the place up yeah they're in a, I love if, I'm, that if I'm not mistaken she loses it when it, well this is another one but whenever they're in a tunnel of love yeah, yeah. she loses it and just oh it's bonkers. really funny <laughs> but I have made a list of some of my, my favorites I tried to narrow down just a few oh that's hard to do yeah I mean 255 appearances I mean come on hello <laughs> but I got some stuff from uh, here's Donald just by himself Donald's Ostrich Oh, I remember that. Yes, I remember this was that he was working at a train station and this ostrich pops up. 
if I'm remembering this correctly. Is, uh, I know, and, and so he's trying to keep the the ostrich uh, contained, and he's having a hard time of it. But it's just adorable, fun. Because uh, I always sometimes get it confused with Mickey Mouse and the seal. Mm, the yes, seal that, I, uh, that I guess it's Pluto that sneaks the seal yeah, in. It's, it's trying to hide it from Mickey it, in the bathtub. It, it comes up from the zoo. And it, yes. And it comes up in the t- Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, it's, it's very, very fun. similar. But this all is all a train station. Mm. And then, oh, one of the greatest. 19, oh, did I say Donald's ostrich was 1937? Mm. Uh, 1941, though, Chef Donald. Mm. Now, when I say the name of it, you don't think of it. But this is where Donald, he's sitting there at first. You know, he's he's got rubber cement out and he's been yes. sticking recipes in a book yes and then over the radio they say well how would you like some waffles would you want to make some waffles and donald gets so excited he gets all of his stuff out on the table and forgets to put away the rubber cement uh-huh. so he reaches for baking soda and instead puts in rubber cement and hilarity ensues yes and then all kinds of stuff where he's trying to be able to put the waffle stuff into the waffle iron and he can't get it in there he gets his tail stuck temper, in the waffle iron yes. and then by the end what makes it great is over the radio you hear the woman now aren't we just enjoying your waffles we'd love to hear from you and Donald looks at the radio oh yeah and then he runs out the door and then you go to the radio and you know, the radio just bouncing around it's like oh hey look somebody was oh whoa, wait what's going on and you can only imagine what Donald's doing Total fit. I love that one. But it's, Heather has a different reaction because like, she feels bad for Donald the whole time. And that's part of it. You're, he's sympathetic because all this stuff happens to him. But you have to laugh because you must love him. But you're also like, oh, poor Donald. But just yeah. to laugh. Yeah. And then I already mentioned in 1943, Der Fuhrer's Face. Uh-huh. See Which is actually a song by, um oh, Wow. And I've got some of his songs, a collection yeah, of this guy. Um, he had the whole orchestra, and he would do silly, wacky noises with it. It was in the cartoon first. Yeah, and, and then, then, he, they, then he recorded because he, 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 he'd get so many songs that he would goof, him around, goof yeah. around with them. Uh, and I cannot think of the guy's name. All right, well, we'll I'll get into very that Very famous. Later. I just can't think of his name. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And I have a collection that has some of his stuff because it really I have a copy me of it, actually. <laughs> uh, but then, oh, some, and I only grabbed two, but there's so many more. Those were When Mickey favorites. and Goofy together with him. Lonesome Ghosts from 1937. They're the greatest trio. Yes. Cartoon Lonesome Ghosts has got to be my top number one. And maybe it's because of nostalgia. Because yes. you remember those Fisher Price books? I had. Where, I had where you'd have the little record on the thing and you'd have the little player that you'd put on the page. But what I had was not just that. I had the one where you would st- it looked like a cartridge and you would stick it in this little uh, uh, camera type thing. It looked like a TV. Yes. And it would play would itself. Play it. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah, we had one of those too. I had that. That was one of my favorite things to watch, and I would play it backwards sometimes, <laughs> just to see. I love where Goofy would stick himself in the rear end with a, a nail or a pin, pin or whatever. I would Whoa! just love that, thinking it's a ghost. Oh, oh, I got him, Mickey. This is where Ghostbusters got their line. Oh, I ain't scared no ghosts. Exactly. Yeah, that's yep. it. <laughs> yeah, so that's definitely one of my top of all time. Plus, another one, and I, I'm mainly fond of this because I had also another Fisher-Price book, The Clock Cleaners. Yes. Where they completely wreck this beautiful large clock because uh, I think there's like a bird nest on one part of it. Uh, I should have watched this one before we get to talking about it because it's been such a long time. It's a great But one. like, I remember, who is it that gets caught up in the coils? I think Was that Donald? I think it's Donald. Yeah. Yes, gets caught up in the coils. See that goofy, but I'm pretty sure it's Donald. I think it is Donald, yeah. Another one of theirs that I personally like. I know you don't have it on your list. But I didn't have it on the list, but I love them all. Well, there's so many. I love the one with on the trip. And the, the, in the trailer. The trailer. That's, that's, uh, I should have listed that one, too. That is just so... That, is, that has got to be my number two after Donald's the, the Ghost. Th- this one has stuck in my mind. Man, which it's, one it's was... inspired me so Keep talking. Much. I'm going to look it up. It's the one where in the trailer, uh, Goofy's driving, which is a mistake all on its own. 
and Mickey's cooking, and Donald is sleeping. But yeah, 1938. Yes, it's a great one, and it's so wonderful. Well, the uh, while they're sitting there on this trip, you see that Donald's sleeping, and all of a sudden, the little bed goes into the wall, and all of a sudden, here comes out the bath, and he falls into the bathtub, and all of a sudden, he's taking a bath, and then yeah. before that, it comes out a table, and he's still in the middle of taking a bath, all of a sudden, it's a table, and sitting, here they are making the dinner, and it's just, or breakfast, I mean, and it's just great, and Mickey sticks himself halfway out the window, and he, they're going by a cornfield, and he grabs <laughs> the corn, the and he's, it's just the greatest little thing, great. one thing into the other. And I, I love, best part, though, when Goofy comes to sit at the table, and they ask Goofy, hey, who's driving? And Goofy's like, well, I am! Yeah, it's <laughs> awesome. Eating, it's like, <laughs> and then they get separated. The trailer gets separated from the car. Goofy's like, oh, okay, I'm just driving. And the trailer's going through all this mishaps. And finally, at the end, claps back on with the car. And Goofy says, I told you I'd get you down off the mountain just fine. Yeah, it's awesome. It's <laughs> one of the best it. cartoons ever. I'm going to have to watch some of these. When we can do it. Thanks I love a lot. it. I love it. I love it. Uh, okay, then some of my favorite appearances with Chip and Dale. And I only mentioned two, although I could go into more because I, I didn't list down uh, yeah. the one with the, with the peanut butter. Oh, where where yeah. Donald's making the peanut butter. But most of the time, it's Chip and Dale giving Donald a hard time. That's fun. Uh, like, for example, and, uh, from 1952, Donald Applecore. Yeah. Where yeah. they're stealing apples from his orchard. But the reason why I listed this one is I remember when we first saw it on Donald That Presents. Mm-hmm. We, the, we love the whole line of the uh, apple core, nothing more. Nothing more Who's yeah. your friend? Him. Yeah. And they splat each other with the apples. That's it. And they kept, it was a running gag throughout the cartoon, and Donald kept getting hit with apples. Uh, and I absolutely loved it. But then one from 1951, uh, I've seen this one several times. We love this one called Out of Scale. Because it actually has a happy ending between him, Chip, and Dale. Which is rare. Which is very rare. But this is where Donald, and, it, and I, I know it's inspired by Walt himself. Because Donald is building a backyard train with a miniature town and everything. Ah, yeah. And he comes across Chippendale's tree. And he's like, well, this tree is not in scale. So he, funnily enough, with a shovel, is able to dig up the tree. I mean, normally the roots would be all over your yard, really. But he uh, puts it up there and he's hauling it off on the train. When Chippendale come back and realize their tree is gone, a uh, little bit of a chase thing. But they take up residence into a little house in the miniature and Donald kind of measures, like, oh, actually, you're perfect scale for the house. So he's thinking it's fun, and he brings some little milk cartons, and he's having fun. He's like, oh, they're so cute in that little house now. But then he decides to get laundry and does this <laughs> fake rainstorm with a thing, with a oh, water, okay, yeah. a bucket, and then he's sticking the thing and running and storm. And then he goes with some stuff and makes it seem like it's snowing. And uh, the gate's loose, and because he's making fake snow, the, the gate is railing in the wind. And Chip sends Dale out and bundles him all up to go and close the gate. But as soon as Dale comes out, Donald hits him with this big spot like like it's a bright sunny day. And then Dale comes coming back in like, it's hot outside. What's all this stuff? Basically playing God in a way. Yes, he's <laughs> toying with him the whole time. In the end, they get tired of the house and they want to go back into their tree. And a bit of a chase ensues, but the train goes through the tree when it's placed back there. Cuts a tunnel, and Chip and Dale get smart and get a little sign that says... Giant Redwood. And so Donald sees that like, yeah, it's a giant Redwood. So they get to keep their tree and he gets his perfect miniature. Absolutely love it because it's a happy ending for everybody for once, for Donald. Yeah, that's good. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, So I had had to put in there. I love watching that one. Because normally Chip and Dale, they're little jerks, really. They can be, yeah. They can be little jerks. Kind of like the nephews can be real jerks. <laughs> but there's one time that they're those not. My, those are my favorite ones, too. Well, like one time they're jerks. So Donald Snow Fight, 1942, their honor is heck. But, you know, because, of course, Donald kind of gets his comeuppance a little yeah, bit because he's cause like, he oh, I'm just it. great at hockey. He starts it. Hockey game that turns into a snowball fight. And just all kinds of fun. Uh, and then the nephews really kind of get the upper hand. But they're devious, those nephews. Yes, they are. Well, hey. But there's times they pull some really nasty pranks. And some other ones, like the gorilla one. I love yeah. that one as well. They yeah, do some nasty one. pranks. 
Uh, I've even seen one where they pretend to be a, a lion in a big lion suit, yes. and then of course a real lion shows up. It's really I like the grill. It has to happen that way. Yes, those nephews do a lot of honorary things. Although sometimes they, they, they are, and I'm just going through a bunch of stuff with the nephews. I like the one where they want to buy him something for his birthday, yeah. and they buy him the the tobacco or the the, the mm-hmm. cigars. And Donald thinks that they're trying to be delinquents uh-huh. and smoke, and he shoves all these cigars and makes them smoke them. They all get all sick, and then he sees the card. What's sad is uh, he's trying to be teach them a lesson. He's trying yeah. to be good to them. That's the yeah. Thing. And then he completely blew his his own birthday present. But okay, so the Snowball Fight was 1942, but we got to talk about Trick or Treat in 1952. That's a favorite of theirs. And uh, do, you, do you think the nephew's reaction, the witch reaction, is a little overkill on poor Donald in this one? Well, really, I almost it's, feel bad it's, for it's him. Her reaction. Yeah, the witch gets him a little but over he, the top. But he kind of over. He's the he, one who oh, did it. He was. Yeah. At, but then again, he it is trick or treat, and he yeah. tricked them. He didn't treat them. He tricked them. So he's playing along. But he kind of goes overboard. He took all their candy. Yeah, stealing their candies where he got in trouble. Yeah, he overdid it. And also he did it to her. (laughs) Yeah, he pulled some stuff off the chisel. If you're willing to trick, you gotta be willing to take. Yeah, you did take some nasty and tricks boy, from the She Hazel. did, man. She did. And I do love. But that it was one. so loved that 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 trick or treat was so loved that Witch Hazel then gets borrowed. We'll call it. We won't call it stealing, and it's the way it is. That uh, Warner Brothers loved it so much that they hired the same actress to play the yeah. witch named Hazel. Yeah. Not the same character, but pretty much the same character. Different look entirely. Different look but entirely. Still. She was now a, a larger witch with green skin. Yeah. But same voice. And messing with Bugs Bunny. Yeah, yeah. The Hansel and Gretel one. Yeah. I love that one. That's a good one. But pretty much the same character. Yes, it for is. For the most part. Yep. You know, I, I will say I think she's much cuter in the Disney. <laughs> but still, still, still fun. I like another other still two, fun. but still. Yeah. Uh, any other great Donald Duck memories? I, I love the... Uh, all the bee ones. I love where he's with the bee. Remember the bee? <gasps> the little bee guy. Yeah, you forgot yeah. about it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Such good There's so stuff. many good Donald Duck ones. They really are. Yes, like uh, working in the wrapping factory. was the clock watcher, I think they call yeah. it. Where he's working in the wrapping plant trying to wrap stuff yeah. and just terrible at it. I love all the World War II ones. Yeah. He, they did not use Mickey. And it wasn't that they didn't want to. But the truth be told, Mickey was a star. So was Donald. Yeah. Donald was too. But... Mickey was their number one guy. You don't just use Clark Gable, you for instance. You are my number one, one guy. guy. They had to use a... They wanted to use Donald instead of Mickey at the time. And so they did. They they used uh, Donald Duck, and he ended up becoming huge because of World War II. Yeah. All the... the uh, Soldiers got free Donald Duck cartoons. I mean, they was given. It was given <laughs> away. I mean, they Walt Disney gave them to the army, and because of that, you had songs like uh, uh, "And the Army's Not the Army Anymore," and that was one of the cartoons. And it was basically showing how to train for the army. They made cartoons of Donald Duck being trained for the army. Yeah. These are wonderful, wonderful cartoons, and it was basically showing. Look, Army soldiers and military soldiers, we know what you're going through. Donald knows what you're going through. Yes, you got it rough right now. Donald's going through what you're going through. And these guys got to relate with Donald Duck. So Donald Duck, in a lot of ways, kind of helped win the war. You know what I'm saying? Yes, he did. Right into Fuhrer's face. That's right. This is why Donald ended up being so beloved by so many people. Because he kind of was going through what they were going through. And even from 1942 to 1945, there was a variant. Because you know how the big duck head, you know, Donald Duck, and he had his normal hat, went up in front of his cartoons. But they had him in an army Kind of uh, yeah. 
what, what, what looks what you think of the fast food paper hat and that angle that that type of hat? Yeah, he was in that from 1942 to 1945 when he was doing those wartime cartoons. Well, he was so beloved that on a lot of the planes, you know, they would paint a lot of times different yeah. women. And all. They painted a lot of Donald Duck. Yeah, I've seen things. some he of was, that. He was beloved by mm-hmm. you know thousands and thousands of soldiers, and so Donald was, is awesome. You gotta yep. love him. So happy birthday, Donald Duck! We, we love absolutely you. love you. Still one of my probably top favorite Disney characters. Amen. Because uh, I do love Mickey and I do love Goofy, but I'm always going to be a Donald Duck Absolutely. fan. Probably top. Yeah, and I loved Donald and Daffy together in Hugh yes. Frame Roger Rabbit. That was a great, great thing. Perfect. Absolutely. <gasps> love it, love it, love it. the great love characters. Yes, because, of course, I'm, I'm more into classic Daffy than, than when he started getting more yeah. ego. Although the ego Daffy can be fun at times. Oh, stop it. You're crazy. But I love the original Daffy where he was really Daffy. But that's a whole other thing. Uh, but we need to wrap this up. One last thing I want to say okay. about Adam West. Let's go okay. back to Adam West for a minute. One of the, my favorite things that he did, he one time on The Simpsons. This is right after Batman Returns came out. Mm. And he was talking about, uh, when he was in the World of Wheels. <laughs> and Homer took Bart to see him. And they said, this isn't Batman. And he says, oh, pardon me. You must have been expecting to see Michael Keaton, no doubt, in that new rubber-made muscle suit. He says, <laughs> but I didn't need uh, rubber-made muscles. I was pure West. And so, <laughs> yeah. to you, Adam West, we thank you so much. You are pure West, and that's a good thing for us. Yep. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure. Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket. It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others. And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links to our news page, our shop, our contact page, where you can easily send an email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can also find our Neverlanders page where you can find out how to become an official lost boy or pixie because girls are too clever to get lost. Become a real Neverlander. Please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook. We also have a group on Facebook for you to join. We also appreciate your support to keep the Neverland Podcast up and running. Visit patreon.com slash neverlandpodcast to donate to keeping the pixie dust alive. Copyright content featured on the Neverland Podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license. All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions and a very special thanks to Yeehaw Bob Jackson at yeehawbob.com for our new ending music. God bless! Hello, everybody. This is Yeehaw Bob Jackson. Neverland Podcast. We love you. Neverland Podcast. We love you. Neverland Podcast. It's true. Neverland Podcast. We 